Hey everyone, and welcome to the OS Training Podcast. My name is Steve Burge, and in this episode, I'm talking with Dwayne McDaniel from Pantheon. Now, Dwayne is a familiar face at many WordCamps and Drupal camps. He is the developer evangelist at Pantheon, and he flies around to the events, not only trying to introduce Pantheon to people, but also trying to bring people together. He's an enormous fan of holding karaoke events, but also anything else you can do to get people to collaborate, whether it is going out for vegan food or working on improv comedy. He is an enthusiastic guy who is in love with what he does in the open source world. And so we talk about his background and how he's brought all his stage skills to the open source world. Thanks to this week's podcast sponsor, Publish Press. Publish Press is a plugin that can help you create great content in WordPress. There's a really beautiful editorial calendar so you can get a clear picture of all the planned and published content on your site. There are notifications so you can keep your team up to date with what's happening. There are custom statuses so you can pin a particular piece of content to the exact stage in your content workflow. And there's a ton of other features as well. If you have a busy site that publishes a lot of content, check out Publish Press at publishpress.com. Hey, and welcome, Dwayne. Hey, thanks very much. Oh, thanks. Where did we find you today? You are almost constantly on the road. Are you on the road today? No, actually, you found me. I've just returned from WordCamp Sacramento, and I am working from a home office today. You are in California? Yeah, I'm San Francisco, California. Sorry, I assumed everybody knew where I lived. San Francisco, California. Oh, well, you work for Pantheon, right? You are based out there in California? That is correct. I live in San Francisco, work in San Francisco. We're headquartered here. What do you do? What's the the label on your business card at Pantheon? Uh, these days, I am developer advocate, working for the developer relations team, Pantheon. My title before that was agency and community success manager. And throughout it all, it's a fancy title just to say that I help people figure stuff out. That's where I see my mission in life. Oh, I'd always assumed it meant that you just get on a plane endlessly. I... I looked back at your blog to see where you'd been recently. It said you, 2016, you went to 20 plus WordCamps, 2017, it was closer to like 35. Are you aiming yeah. for 52 this year? Uh, no, I. <laughs> nobody uh, can travel quite that much, I don't think. No, this year I'm on pace for about 30. I think 34 will stand as a record. Oh, well, if you skip maybe Christmas week, Thanksgiving week, maybe a couple of others, that takes it down into the 40s miss a week for your birthday, I guess inevitably you have to be. Missing a week for the birthday would be an interesting one. I'm actually going to celebrate my birthday this year out at an event in the Drupal community called Drupal Corn. <laughs> and turn uh, four oh, years the old while I'm in the Drupal community, right? The, the Drupal events aren't locked down to a camp names scheme, and they can call themselves whatever they want. So Bay Area Drupal Camp's coming up, and that's Bad Camp. New York has Nice Camp. In Chicago, we have Mid Camp. And then Drupal Corn, Drupal Love is in Philadelphia. Ned Camp is in New England Drupal Camp. It's a very interesting naming scheme. So a little bit of tongue-in-cheek at all of them. Oh, yeah, they, they're pretty flexible with the names of the camps and mm -hmm. also the logos as well. Whenever we taught a Drupal class, I always used to get a kick, and so did the audience, out of putting up a big list of the ways that the Drupal community messes with their logos. So I think the one in Iowa, Drupal Corn, has the Drupal blob turned into an ear of corn, and the one in Wisconsin has a, a big blob of cheese stuck on their head. And mm -hmm. In the WordPress world, there's a little bit of a, a correlation to that with Wapoo, the unofficial mascot. So in oh, Drupal, yeah, yeah. the drop, Dropsy, some people call him, is the unofficial mascot of Drupal. So they do the same thing, and it's not the Drupal logo officially, it's Dropsy that's actually getting changed around. 
Oh, yeah. Basically, I hadn't thought of it like that, but basically yeah, it is the Drupal version of the Wapoos. Mm-hmm. So what drives you to be on the road and going to these camps 20, 25, 30 times a year? You're pretty much gone to all 50 U.S. states, quite a few European countries. If WordCamp or DrupalCamp Hawaii invited me out, I'd enjoy that one, or maybe Alaska as well. I haven't been to those yet for Drupal or WordPress, but uh, what drives me? Um, I see it really as I'm kind of getting away with something. I get to go to all of these. I get to go learn this stuff. So what drives me is, well, I can't imagine not doing this. I can't imagine a world where I don't get to go hang out with some of the smartest people in the world, help people figure out problems, and learn as much as I have. The ability to go to as many sessions as I do per year, and I do try to share that with the world through my notes, through my blog, I feel like I've gotten a master's degree level of education by just going and and learning from my community. And then the friendships I've established over the years doing this. Again, I can't imagine a life not doing this stuff. It actually sounds like it's energizing for you to be on the planes constantly, to be meeting people. Mm-hmm. A lot of people might think of it as, as tiring, but it sounds as if it almost gives you extra energy. No, I'm, I'm not going to say that at, at various times I don't get tired. It's, I think, maybe akin to marathon running, and you have a runner's high that you get. And of course, at the end of a marathon, you are completely exhausted. Your body can't go any further. And there's definitely times I've been like day four of DrupalCon and uh, I don't want to get out of bed. But then when I'm away from the event, like kind of all I think about is like, well, what's the next event? When do I get to go do that again? The same way a marathon runner is like, when's the next marathon I need to train for? Would you consider yourself to be an extrovert? Are you, you're naturally someone who loves being around people, gets energy out of them. I, I see myself, uh, and it's a term I read a few years ago and thought was kind of funny, an introverted extrovert. Uh, huh. I do appreciate my alone time and my quiet time a great deal, and I treasure that and guard that a lot in my personal life. But when I have the chance to interact and gather people up and be part of something larger than myself, I typically will go for it. It's something I really, really enjoy. It's the spotlight feel that if I can be somewhere and, again, be part of this thing going on, there's just something very rewarding to that. It does take energy. Like I say, it's not the physical exhaustion. You know, Getting little sleep while I'm on the road is just par for the course, but there's a mental effort to doing all of this where it just gets exhausting doing it. But when I'm not doing it, I look forward to doing it. And then when I'm doing it, I look forward to not doing it. It's the classic human condition. <laughs> You're famous for, for getting people together at these camps, whether it's, well, quite often it's karaoke. Uh, yeah, W. You're a huge karaoke fan? Uh, WC Karaoke and Drupal Karaoke are both. I was part of the, the thought process that came around with those uh, Twitter handles and hashtags and other ways people communicate about these things. Say I'm famous, is, it sounds weird even as I hear it. I don't think of myself as famous. I just think of myself as out there doing this stuff and hoping other people are going along for the ride or already were walking that direction and I'm walking with them. But yeah, Drupal uh, karaoke and WC karaoke, WordCamp karaoke, are things that came about basically because I love karaoke. I have for years and years and years. Uh, My oldest friend in San Francisco is actually a karaoke DJ who I've known for the better part of uh, 14, 15 years now. Met her through uh, doing karaoke. And if I love karaoke this much, I know there's a lot of other people that do. Uh, So just gathering people together. And if that's not what we're doing at camps is understanding each other a little better and connecting as on a human level, then I think we're missing an opportunity because that's 
well, I mean, we're already together. We already love WordPress. We already love Drupal. You know, we're already in this thing together to try to make the world better through open source. So let's have some fun with it. There's other things that are happening out there. A lot of other hashtags people are doing, uh, people are gathering. Things, there's things I'm not involved with that other people really, really love. Things like Cigar Press. You know, I'm not a cigar smoker myself, but I uh, encourage you if you go out and look up Cigar Press if you are uh, interested in cigars. Another one that I'm really proud of and um, happy about is WP Vegan. That's popped up, the WordPress Vegan. It's popped up in the last year thanks to the likes of John Ekman from 10up, uh, Josh Pollock from Caldera Labs, and the like. Just saying, hey, we like to eat vegan food. Let's raise our hands and go out and get a meal together. It's something really nice about that collective mindset that we're going to go out and do something that we personally love that other people personally love while we're also doing this thing, making the world better, you know, contributing to open source. So are you a really good singer or a really good vegan chef, or is it just, it's something you really enjoy and you actually like doing it in collaboration with other people? Is it the skill or the collaboration that really drives you? I'm using those as examples and I think I'm an all right singer. I am a classically trained singer uh, all throughout high school and college. Uh, so there's that. And yeah, I can cook. I've been a bachelor in my life, uh, throughout my life and just, you know, on necessity learn the skills of the kitchen. But it is the collaboration. It is the, the getting together with other people. Like going out and singing karaoke by yourself where you don't know anyone isn't all that fun. It just isn't. Going to a place that has karaoke with a group of people who, well, they sing karaoke or not. It's still like the, the togetherness that we're there together and we have this commonality that we're understanding each other better as people. That's what's more exciting to me than the actual act itself. So if if somebody wants to start a hashtag of like WC looking out a window where we just go stare out a window together at a work camp and collaborate that way, that sounds like it would be an interesting one as well. In the Drupal world, we have these wonderful things called boffs, birds of feather, that formalize that a bit. Uh, WordPress has the the hallway track. Uh, unofficial way to gather up and do that. Uh, but they're all pointing at the same thing, that we have this desire as human beings, as people in a community, to connect to one another and understand each other beyond just our screen names and code. I kind of get the feeling that if no one was really into karaoke or no one was really into eating vegan food, you would probably come up with a third or fourth idea and keep on pitching these ideas in order to get the collaboration going. That's really the part that you love. Perhaps more than singing, perhaps more than just eating the food. It's the collaboration that really gets you going. Definitely not wrong. There's something I've said. I live in San Francisco, and there are definitely much, much, much cheaper options to live in the world. But the reason I, I am here is there's a zillion things to do. Like, short of roller coasters, and now thanks to VR, I've kind of solved that problem. Um, I can do anything I want within a few miles of my house. And I feel that same way at camps. Like, if I was going to go and just go to the camp and then go back and sit in my hotel room, I would not go. I think that would be a terrible use of my time and probably other people's time as well. But being out there in some way to connect, if it's just the after party that's formally organized, a lot of times that's good enough and that's what we do. And some people like want to go out a little bit later than that, or let's go out for a meal before that. So if it wasn't those two specific brand names, you're right. I would definitely find other ways to put up a bat signal in the sky for a nice uh, analogy there uh, to say, hey, who wants to gather around this topic or just look for other people's bat signals. If other people, I'm always, always, always happy when other people organize things and I can just show up. (laughs) That is my dream, uh, uh, especially with WC Karaoke, was that 
someone will go and say, hey, uh, this is how you did it, or heck, this is how you did this thing. I can do this. I can replicate this. And there are several people that have. Uh, a shout out to my buddy in the Triple community, J.D. Flynn, up in Chicago, who kind of took the ball and ran with it. And every time I go to Chicago now, I can simply call on uh, J.D. and karaoke happens. And it's it's a wonderful feeling to know that the torch has gotten it passed in that community. And I just want to call him out. There's a lot of other people that have picked up the ball as well. So you actually, perhaps even more so than karaoke, perhaps even more so than um, the vegan food, you've been involved in improv for for many, many years. Actually getting on stage and collaborating and performing with other people? Yeah. So it starts actually a long time before improv. My dad was a preacher. And as a result, I was performing in front of churches since I can remember. But when I was 11, he said, hey, I need a drummer for our praise and worship team. Go up there and learn. So I learned how to play drums in front of an audience. And <laughs> not, not the typical way people learn how to play instruments. But uh, at the time, I didn't know any better, so I just did it. And looking back, like that really helped me understand how to perform in front of a crowd at this deep level that... I don't think I could have learned any other way. This was in California? No, this is back in Ohio, Northwest Ohio, where I'm from, originally from. I'm from a little tiny town in Ohio called Fostoria. Uh, I went to school at Bowling Green State University, BGSU, go Falcons. And then I came to California when I was 23, just because I could come to California. I needed somewhere to go. I wanted to change a pace, and California seemed like a good way to go. And then in 2010, kind of get back to your original question there, 2010, I was at a Valentine's Day party and a friend of a friend of mine said she was taking an improv class and she really enjoyed it. I asked her, what is that all about? She told me, I was like, all oh, right, that sounds fun. And I went home and signed up for the very next class that I found in San Francisco. Uh, I went and it was immediately like, I love this art form from like the very first minute of class. And there was really, really surprised. There were other people in the, that same class that didn't come back the next time. Uh, the next week and the teacher said that's very normal so this isn't for everyone and there were people that really struggled with this concept of performing and just letting go and making things up and you know being spontaneous uh, and i was like this is the easiest thing i've ever done in my life i love this and then i kind of didn't look back after that and in, for the past eight years i've been performing writing coaching being uh on many improv teams many improv projects i ran my own improv school for a very short period of time and that was a very large chunk of my life. Ironically, the stuff we were talking about when we started here, all the camp travel has caused me to very much back off of all of that. Just there's a time commitment issue with improv. Uh, a lot of people think you just get on stage and you make it up. And that to a certain extent is true with improv, but there's also a lot of mental preparation that goes into it. There's a lot of collaborating with your teammates and building something called group mind that's just required to put on a good, consistent improv show. And some of the best teams and performances you've ever seen are because those people have worked together for years and know how to read each other's slightest, slightest signals non-verbally on stage. And that's how they're anticipating what the next thing will be and what the audience is, uh, get the best payoff for the audience. And just, I haven't had time to completely devote to that. So actually I'm in a bit of a hiatus right now. I've been saying retired because uh, I would like to be like Cher and have a thousand comeback tours <laughs> in the world. That is the story of me and improv. But that whole experience of going into an art form like that so deeply, at the same time I was involved in open source, taught me a lot of lessons. And that's part of why I'm, I guess, known for organizing people is once you understand how production works, once you understand how it's just make the poster first, 
That's the entire secret of producing anything. You make the poster first, and that tells you where you need to be, what time you need to be there, what the thing is, what's involved with it. And if you have all of that data to make the poster for it, the flyer for it, or the tweet for it, then you have a thing. Now, whether people show up to that or not, a completely different story. On a certain level, you have to go in thinking, if anyone shows up, then we'll call it a massive success. And if uh, no one shows up, then we'll still say we had fun. And I've definitely been in every stage of that throughout the uh, throughout my life. So for people that might not be that familiar with improv, what would it actually look like if they walked into an improv room for the first time and said, hey, I want to try this out? You would get up on stage with a partner and they'd hand you a situation that you'd have to riff off? It varies greatly depending on what school you go to. But level one, your intro classes, and I highly, highly recommend everyone listening to this to go look up improv in your area and go sign up for a level one class or at least find a drop-in and just go try it out. You might instantly love it. You might be overwhelmed with it. Either way, it's a great experience to meet other like-minded people that also are in that same space. But the typical model is you'll go in and you just do a bunch of warm-up exercises. So there's no exact direct pressure to perform. Eventually, by the end of like an eight-week class, yeah, you will be doing scenes and you will be doing very specific things that the teacher will be asking you to do with you know with partners or with groups. But the first first time you walk into a, your first improv class, it should just be a bunch of group uh, exercises and warm-ups where you learn. Uh, where I went to school, uh, Bay Area Theater Sports or BATS, they play this game called ball, and that's exactly what it sounds like. You have a physical ball, and you just, as a group, keep it in the air without catching it. And it sounds like that's just a silly kid's game, but that's exactly what it is, a silly kid's game. But it builds this immediate, we're all in this together doing this one thing with a central goal. And that's all improv is. We are here together at a single place trying to do something, uh, and we'll make it up along the way. So you work for Pantheon mm-hmm. and have been around Pantheon people long enough to hear some echoes. I remember early this year we were in DrupalCon Nashville and mm-hmm. we're doing Drupal training before and the guy that I was doing the class with was talking to me and he said, well, I have half a UFO in my garage, in my Airbnb. Mm-hmm. I looked at him and I'm like, you've got half a UFO? in your garage. He's like, yeah, the other half is coming tonight. Apparently the Pantheon people are shipping it out from California to Tennessee and building it in my garage. And that made a bit more sense to me because that's the kind of thing that Pantheon would get up to. They, uh, they'd build a UFO in California, ship it over to DrupalCon and then put it together ready for a big party. Is Pantheon a company that kind of fits in with the things you've been telling me? They're kind of creative, they're kind of um, highly imaginative. It sounds as if you're a pretty good fit there. Ah, man, I love this question. It's a, a pretty faceted question, though. We are the culture of the people that are at Pantheon, which sounds like a non-answer. But to say, you know, we built a company culture and then built the team around it would be wrong. We built a team that had this amazing DIY attitude. And the specific event you're referring to, I'd just like to officially say there are official Pantheon events that happen at events, and then there are things that Pantheon people end up doing that aren't officially part of what we do at Pantheon. Uh, there's actually a blog about this from uh, DrupalCon New Orleans, a direct result of, of a blog from an event that happened that people all labeled as a Pantheon party because Pantheon people were involved. 
But there was a bit of controversy around some things. And just to be clear, like the UFO party at uh, this last uh, TripleCon Nashville uh, was a result of the community. People that don't work at Pantheon were also building that UFO and driving it around and uh, making sure that the fryers in the parking lot were lit. And uh, we've heard awesome vegan food at that party. And that's really a community. That's, that is something the Drupal community has that I've never seen replicated elsewhere. WordPress community has similar things and similar facets, but there's a very specific DIY, we're making humanity better through open source, that Drupal has that WordPress really doesn't have. Not at the same level, not at the same extreme, I should say. Might be a better way. Pantheon, though, because of our Drupal roots, really reflects that, I think, better than some other companies out there. I feel like I fit in at Pantheon pretty well because I also believe, you know, very firmly in this idea that we have four freedoms with any piece of software. And if we don't embrace those and push those out into the world and try to live by that, not just with our code, but you know, with our life, you know, I want my information to be out there. I want people to benefit from what I'm doing and make it their own and go and replicate that and do whatever they want with it to help their life get better. And that's really how we feel about a lot of things at Pantheon, uh, at least the core team that you know, I've started with and been working with for a very long time. We are a rapidly growing company, so I can't speak for all of Pantheon in that. But it's one of the things that I've witnessed several times. I should make a shout out to one of my colleagues, Ben Rosales. I'm not sorry, no, Stephen Rosales. Uh, we have two guys with Rosales' last name. Uh, Stephen Rosales, he started out at Pantheon almost three years ago, never, ever, ever had touched Drupal or WordPress before, started out as a sales guy, and he just volunteered completely on his own, didn't, not related to Pantheon at all. He was at WordCamp Sacramento volunteering uh, because he loves the community now. And he's, you know, bought into the idea that, hey, WordPress, open source makes the world better. This community makes the world better. I want to be part of this community and make the world better. Kind of long answer to that, but... <laughs> it almost sounds as if it might be fair to call Pantheon a perhaps a San Francisco company, maybe yeah, perhaps a Drupal company that got different roots that they've merged to get where they are today. You came at an interesting time, right? Mm -hmm. You joined in about 2004, just when Pantheon was pivoting and adding WordPress? Uh, in 2014. 2014. 2014. 2004 was a very different time in my life doing very different things. Uh, but that was actually right before I got involved in open source in general. My first open source gig was actually in the Java middleware space. It worked for a company called Terracotta, which popularized the term distributed caching as that was getting off the ground. But so I joined Pantheon at the very tail end of 2013 and my technical start date was the beginning of 2014 for paperwork reasons. And that was when we first started talking about the idea of supporting WordPress. So we officially added WordPress support at the end of 2014 and then introduced WP Native Sessions plugin at, I think, the very beginning of 20, 2015. And that was a game changer. Turns out that Drupal and WordPress handle sessions a little bit differently. So people were finding success with WordPress, but they were finding limited success they found workarounds for. And then once we introduced the Native Sessions plugin, then we took off like a rocket, and it's become a steady part of our business. You were a Drupal guy originally, and you slowly had to learn to adapt and find your way in the WordPress community? Uh, that's it's not that far off. So uh, 2013 is actually how I met Drupal. I was building a site for Improv Community in San Francisco, 
And what I wanted to do was just set up a central calendar that anybody could create an account, log in, and post things to this calendar. Uh, I looked at a bunch of technologies to do it, and Drupal stood out as the one where it seemed the easiest way to do it with uh, the Drupal calendar module at the time, which I could extend out and do pretty much what I wanted. But I had all sorts of problems on my local machine, and getting it set up was yeah, kind of a kind of a bear. And then a friend of mine, who used to work at a company called Chapter Three with a guy named Josh Koenig, said you should just do that on Pantheon. That's exactly what you want to do. Just do it. I'm like, huh? Okay, well, let's go try it. Five hours after I got home, I had the exact site I wanted, production ready and ready to launch. It didn't look all that pretty. I'll be honest with you. I'm not a front end guy uh, most of the time. So, but functionally, it did exactly what I wanted. And that's actually how I found Pantheon. I'd been using WordPress for years. It's a blogging platform. Um, I have a lot of abandoned blogs out there, like a lot of people do on WordPress.com, where I'll start an idea, write five posts or 12 posts, and then uh, I'm out of that idea. So I knew what the platform did, and it had been in the periphery of like, it's just open source technology. It's like a growing part of the web. Uh, But it wasn't until I got into Pantheon and we started supporting WordPress that I started dipping my toe into the community. My first exposure to any open source community for the PHP open web was DrupalCon Austin, uh, 2014. And that opened my eyes. That was where this job at Pantheon I had where, you know, I knew it did some cool stuff and we were a cool company. But it went from this is another job, another gig, to I never want to work outside of this space the entire rest of my life. And I still feel that way. There's a special magic to what we're doing inside of these communities that I've never seen replicated. And I wouldn't even know how to describe to most lay people that have never experienced it themselves. So anyway, that was my experience in Drupal. And then WordPress. I was going to bug you. You've worked in Java. You've worked in other places. You've, yeah. uh, you've worked in other industries. What is that magic that keeps you doing the work you do in these communities rather than moving on? The best way I can describe it is to recap the keynote that Johanna, the head of Amazee.io, gave at Drupal Northern Lights, which is, happened in Iceland last year. Oh, wow. Where she gave just this brilliant keynote on the first time she went to a Drupal event. And she got invited to the business summit. And she came from the very corporate world, very locked down, top down, you know, information's very, very secret and private. And she went to an executive summit where business leaders, people running the biggest, most successful Drupal agencies and people running all sorts of Drupal agencies as well, got into a room and stood up and said, here's the problems I'm having with my business. And other business leaders stood up and said, this is how we're solving those problems at our agencies and how we think you can solve them too. And she said she wanted to stand up and gather everyone up in her arms and say, no, you can't tell them your secrets. No, you you can't do it this way. This is wrong. This is not the way the world works. And the more she listened and the more she realized, she realized that no, she needed to gather up the whole rest of the world and tell them they were wrong. And this is how it works. This is how we can make the world better by making the information free and learning from each other. And that's it That at its core. Like we're all slightly different flavors of understanding the GPL, I think, between the two communities uh, and the services versus product model is a little bit different. But at its core, you know, we are unlocking the potential of humanity to improve itself in a way that closed source software can't. Like you go talk to 100 Microsoft Word users and ask them how they feel about a num- wide variety of issues and you'll get 100 different answers. But if you go talk to 100 WordPress users or 100 Drupal users, 
and ask them that same set of questions, you'll see some patterns emerge around the way people think about freedom and the way people think about you know just human rights. Not to say that Microsoft WordPresses are wrong or, or anything like that. <laughs> a lot of great people. But there's a commonality to just the nature of what we're doing, where I'm not closed off into my silo and hoping that my voice and my voice alone is the one that people listen to, that my voice will be part of a larger conversation that will help people move and evolve what we're doing with all this stuff. You'd rather be going to work in an industry where people from rival companies will go and sing karaoke together. Rival companies is a, a strange thing to think about in a growing industry. But I work in the hosting world. Uh, cooperation is a word that I kind of like. It kind of yeah. describes it. So I hang out with a lot of people that go to a lot of events. And it's a very, I call them the road dogs. That's my label for them. I don't think that's officially recorded anywhere in the world. Uh, but the road dogs are people like me who spend a lot of time on planes and we go to a lot of events a year. I am not the busiest person in the world. Um, there are people I know that do way more flights than me, uh, that go to more events than me. And that's, I don't know how they do it. Like, I don't think, I think I'm lazy compared to them, honestly. So the competition is kind of a word that I really like that kind of describes what we do out in the world. And these, there's a whole group of people out there called the road dogs, or I call them the road dogs. I should say, I refer to them. People that do what I do, that travel around and, a giant chunk of those are other hosting companies. And if I looked at this from a corporate perspective of a lockdown industry where I was working for something, I don't know, I'm just going to throw out a name. Um, if I was working for, you know, uh, Netscape, or not Netscape, um, NetSuite, for instance, and I went to a corporate event, I probably wouldn't associate with people from my competitors uh, all that much. I don't feel like anybody's a competitor out in the world, like from a pure business contract so they got to choose a vendor perspective. Yes, there is a, a competition. But in the Drupal world, like I applaud Acquia for so many things that they do for changing the conversation in so many interesting ways. And for honestly, the technology that they're putting money behind, like the initiative that Dries is heading up to improve the admin experience for Drupal and by using JavaScript. And there's a lot of Acquia engineers working on that. And I absolutely applaud them for doing so. I don't feel like there's a rivalry there from a technology perspective or platform SH for that matter. The big companies in the industry are doing things that you can be proud of from the outside. Perhaps companies like Automatic, Acquia, perhaps mm -hmm. even Pantheon. Yeah. They don't have the same hard-edged corporate aggressiveness that they may in some other industries that you can yes. look at companies you are what was your word? Cooperate. Cooperation. <laughs> that you're in cooperation with and you can be proud and admirable of the work they're doing. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Okay. And then on a personal level, some of my best friends in, that I've made in this space work for what would be considered from a pure business sales perspective, um, direct competition, where I feel like I am so grateful and glad I've met these people. And after the nine to five, when it's we're out at karaoke, there are no labels. You can't tell who works for who. We're just human beings out there together. Sure, inside of a sales cycle, inside of a, a business conversation with a client, yeah, we're going to point out how we're different. But that is the key thing. I, I think we can sell and exist in this world where we don't need to throw anyone under the bus ever, not in a growing space like this. And that's the biggest difference, I think. WordPress continually becomes a larger percent of the internet. Drupal keeps being adopted by more and more use cases throughout the world for some pretty big organizations that are doing some really meaningful work. I was at Drupal GovCon a few weeks ago and like the use cases that I heard there blew my mind. Like literally making government better, work better for the citizens 
through this open source project that everything they do then goes back into open source. Uh, this is the government of Argentina I'm talking about. All the work that they accomplish and make the tools better, they make that public. Australia has an initiative where if the government works on a piece of technology, it automatically has to become open source to push it back out of the world. Drupal is a tool of choice, and it makes that very easy for them, uh, where we're literally changing the world. And if it's company A versus company B versus company C that does that particular job for that particular use case, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter Like because we're all pushing together. If it was a stagnant, a shrinking growth and there's only so much room in the space and there's like this one giant uh, thing in the online documentation collaboration space, there's basically Gmail and everyone else fighting for the scraps. Meanwhile, we're in an industry where it just keeps growing. And if I had to worry that, hey, if it's a zero-sum game, if we don't make this sale, then someone else gets it and there's no more money in the pie, Versus we live in an industry where someone pointed out to me last year, and this stat has stuck with me and I can't shake it. There's about 168 million businesses that do not have a website. That opportunity is gigantic. Not all of them need a Drupal 8 website. Not all of them need a even a fancy you know WordPress site with a billion integrations in it. But I firmly believe they need to embrace owning their self online. And that goes to... Something I personally believe in, the open web and the indie web. Indie web is actually a movement. Uh, they have a website, indieweb.org, where it's the firm belief that I own my space, I own my domain, I own all the tech stack in it, I'm using open source pieces, or I'm writing my own as I go, and I control my content from there. That everything I publish, I have the right to publish to my paper first and then syndicate out to the world. A zillion great ways to do that. Businesses have the same right that instead of relying on Facebook to not change the rules and how you advertise or Twitter to make a decision that says, well, we don't think this should be that, or we need to sell if you're going to do that, uh, or buy this product if you're going to do that. It's like, no, this is my website. I'm going to do it this way because this is the way we think our clients are best going to be served with that. So it's a business application to the, the open web. Anyway, it's a really long-winded answer to say that, yeah, in our space, we're pretty unique. I, I don't know where else this happens in the world, what other spaces this happens like this, where outside of maybe the scientific field, where, hey, I've made this improvement to this thing, everyone should benefit from that. So right now, it's a, a really great industry to be in because perhaps, A, it's doing good work. Fundamentally, it is doing work that you can be proud of. B, it's doing it in a way, in a collaborative way that is fun to be a part of. See that it financially it's beneficial and it's still doing well. Those three things alone are things you rarely find in a lot of other industries. You may be in an industry that is financially declining mm -hmm. or is owned by a single monopolist company. Or you may be in an industry where there's not much collaboration or where the work is not particularly rewarding that right here, right now, working in the open source space, you have something that is doing good, doing good together, and making money while doing good. Is that fair to say? That is an extremely good summary. That's <laughs> much more eloquent than I said it. <laughs> well, I hadn't quite thought of it that way, but uh, you've actually kind of clarified my thinking on that too, as to why it's a good time to be in this space. Well, this, never, I don't think there's ever a bad time to be in this space. The idea of moving information around and making sure that information does get moved around and, and accessible. 
there was a talk I saw. I cannot remember the kid's name. I say kid because he was. He was. Um, my mind's blank, and I have to look it up. But he gave a talk at WordCamp Orlando about it's never a bad time to learn. And he pointed out very astutely, a very sharp kid, that technology changes all the time. And in fact, it changes more rapidly now than it did yesterday. And it always will. Like, that's the nature of technology. It will always get move faster. So if you think, I can't do that because I'm so far behind the curve, I'll never catch up. That's an insane way to look at it because the technology is always changing. No one's on top of the mountain. There's no top of the mountain. It's a, kind of a treadmill effect. Like, as soon as I have learned everything there is to learn about ES6, guess what? ES7 is right there. I mean, I'm probably going to just translate it all down to ES5 anyway. No matter what you're learning, there's always new invention coming out. There's never a bad time to be in this industry. So right now is the best time to be in it, only because tomorrow hasn't happened yet. So, oh, man, you've made me a lot more positive after this conversation. <laughs> you've left me with a good feeling. And um, hopefully the audience, too. If people want to sing some karaoke with you, how can they catch up with you and see where you are and where the next WordCamp or Drupal karaoke might be happening? Uh, the best way is, again, back to my IndieWeb I think I mentioned. I run my own site. Uh, I do host it on Pantheon. Plug for them. It's called mcdwayne.com, M-C-D-W-A-Y-N-E.com. You can also get there from my Twitter. Again, I'm mcdwayne on Twitter. I standardized on the namespace a while back. It's on GitHub and whatnot. But that is where I keep all of my sessions, slides, and such from all of the talks I give all my contact information, my GitHub, LinkedIn, all that good stuff, uh, linked right there, as well as my blog, which I write about uh, all the events that I go to. And people can follow you on Twitter? Twitter is my preferred social media network. I love it. I love the ability just to follow someone, and that's not creepy. Everyone wants more followers. So I was like, I'm going to follow you on Twitter. It sounds a lot better than I'm going to follow you around. <laughs> <It just does. laughs> I'll always take more followers. But that's it's, it's also, I think, the best way especially inside of our communities, to communicate. Facebook has a natural walled garden approach to it, that if you're not part of the exact right group or your permissions weren't set just correctly, you might not see everything. Whereas Twitter is always public, always. So if I'm going to put out an event, I'm going to put it on Twitter first and then syndicate it to other networks, unless it's like a long-form article and then I'm going to publish it on my own and then link to there from Twitter, like where I normally advertise things. Well, I'm going to drop links to all of those websites and accounts in the show notes. I have a final question for you. Okay. You went to Iceland? Sure did. For twice. an event recently. What was the coolest place you're going to go before the end of the year? you have any more similar events coming up? I will admit the coolest place I'm going to go before the end of the year is that not work-related. Uh, not directly, anyway. I have just recently booked a vacation for myself over Christmas to Thailand. Uh -huh. And I am very much looking forward to that. And you think someone that travels as much as I do, you get any vacation time, you would just you know have a staycation and you know, cool your jets. But there's so much of the world I haven't seen, and traveling does give me a certain energy. It's exhausting as well, but the life I have right now affords me the chance to go and see the world. So I'm very excited about that trip. Nashville is going to be a lot of fun. There's two places I haven't been in America at all that I'm gonna, probably going to get to travel to this year. The next one is actually very soon. I don't know when this will go out. It might be after this goes out, but uh, Drupal Corn, which we talked about earlier, I've never actually been to Des Moines, Iowa. So I'm very excited to see what that city's all about. And then Ned Camp is coming up at the end of the year in Rhode Island this year. So I'm hoping to get to go to that. I haven't confirmed that yet, but I've never been to the state of Rhode Island, the smallest state in the union. So those places sound really, really cool to me. 
Oh, wonderful. Well, I'll hopefully run into you at the Wood Camp or Drupal Camp soon, and um, I wish you all the best on your travels, Dwayne. Absolutely. Thanks very much, Steve, for having me on. I really appreciate it.